0: It's time for Supply Chain Now Radio Sponsored by Apex Atlanta and TalentStream Broadcasting live from the supply chain capital of the country, Atlanta, Georgia Supply Chain Now Radio spotlights the best in all things supply chain The people, the companies, the technologies The best practices, and the critical issues of the day Now, here are your hosts Good afternoon, Scott Luton here with you live on Supply Chain Now Radio. Welcome back to the show. We're coming to you today live from UPS Supply Chain Solutions in beautiful Alpharetta, Georgia. Uh, Today's show is the first installment of a new series here on Supply Chain Now Radio, one that we're calling the Vetlanda Voice series. So on this show we're going to be focusing on the veteran community from a, a supply chain perspective, of course. So we partnered with, uh, the fine folks over at vetlanta, which is an outstanding organization based here in Atlanta that has been doing incredible work for veterans for several years. And you're gonna learn more about the vetlanta story here in a few minutes. Now, you know, I'm a big believer in you give from what you have. So here at supply chain now radio, we are fortunate to be able to spotlight a wide variety of people and companies, technologies, best practices, of course, across the Indian supply chain space. So we are really honored to be able to spotlight an area that is near and dear to our heart, our veteran community. So like all of our series on Supply Chain Radio, you can find our replays on a variety of channels, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and of course, our friends over at Business Radio X. As always, we'd love to have you subscribe so you don't miss anything. So let's welcome in our featured guest today. Today, we've got Lloyd Knight, Director of International Air Freight LMG at UPS Global Forwarding, uh, also a co-founder and president of Vetland. And Lloyd, how you doing? Great,
1: Scott. Thanks for having me today.
0: I'm glad. Uh, great to have you back on the show. Uh, you were with us uh, at Emory uh, back in April. We had a great conversation with uh, uh, a few folks, uh, including a, 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 do, a dynamic duo from Home Depot. A great conversation. And really, that... that episode served as kind of the um got the ball rolling on hey let's let's talk about this once a month maybe a couple times a month i don't know uh also want to welcome in john phillips author of boots to loafers and also a co-founder and vice president of vetlanta john how you doing
2: i'm doing great how are you doing there scott
0: doing fantastic and john i don't know if you remember this little bit of trivia or not we have just published a 100 or 117th episode Radio. And do you recall who was on episode two? I think it was. It was our, our resident
2: veterinologist. Was it me? Yeah, John Phillips. Wow. And, they, and that actually, was. that had the, the lady from UPS, too. Yes, Elba Prehigh Gallagher. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Uh, man,
0: that feels like it's seven years ago now, but that was just a couple of years ago. Uh, but great to have Lloyd and John. Uh, it, it's been neat from a personal standpoint to get plugged into the VetLanta community and, and, and uh, volunteer and be part of all of, all the neat things they're doing to serve our, our veteran community. So, um, again, thanks to both of y'all for joining us. Uh, But we want to start with getting to know each of you better, right? We want to get our audience to um, have a better appreciation for y'all's professional journey, much like I've got. And Lloyd, I want to start with you. So if you would, you know, tell us about yourself, including your transition from the military, and a little bit about what you're doing now.
1: Yeah, great, Scott. So I'm a United States Air Force veteran. I joined the Kentucky Air National Guard when I was 17 years old and decided to go active duty uh, when I was 18 and, and went off to basic training. About seven days after high school graduation, and I had one of the best jobs ever in the U.S. military. Mm. I was an aircraft loadmaster, so at the age of 18, I was flying all around the world, delivering cargo, The you name it. In
0: supply chain and maybe not even knowing you were in supply
1: chain at the time. Absolutely. (laughs) You know what? I I didn't really figure out I was in supply chain or logistics until late in my career. Mm. I never really, I was an arrogant air crew member, I never (laughs) realized, hey, that cargo in the back, that has a, purpose is right. a uh, you know what a uh, I, I I realized that that's a great story and we'll, we'll probably get a, a little off track I, I realized that when I was deployed somewhere mm. and I was deployed to a, a, a location in the desert and it uh, was not your typical aircrew deployment and I was went to the dining facility it was in a tent and I ordered French toast and a uh, the 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 cook looks at me and goes absolutely we can make you French toast but the pallet that just got offloaded from that airplane we need to break that down it's got the bread on it <laughs> okay. and, and 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 i i realized holy cow i'm mm. i'm 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 a logistician mm. I'm, I'm more than an aircrew member you know i'm truly doing logistics mm. so so i spent i had a great air force career i, I uh, saw a little bit of everything i was a uh, flew three years operationally including in desert storm then i was in flight test for eight years so I, I flew a multitude of a, uh, different aircraft and supported different uh, flight test programs. Uh, I went to Germany for four years. I was in fl- a uh, in a uh, m- deployable mobile command and control unit in Germany. And I also taught aircraft load planning and would drive all over Europe teaching load planning. So if you could, uh, for our audience, m-
0: maybe if you're like me, you've never flown on the operational side of the aircraft you might have purchased a ticket and flown from here to kansas city or something when you
1: talk about aircraft load plan what are you talking about so uh, really to maximize the space of an airplane and, and ensure that uh, the cargo is balanced that a, uh, it's um the hazmat is compatible for it and a uh, that you do it in a very efficient method. You know, you wouldn't want to uh, um, have to unload the entire airplane to get to a pallet mm. uh, that might be in the front of the airplane at your first stop. Mm. So uh, uh, the pilots take care of everything on the front of, the of a cargo aircraft, and the load masters take care of everything to the right of the, uh, the entry door.
0: And they get to wear those cool flight suits. And you get to wear the cool <laughs> flight suits.
1: So, yeah, you look very cool. Yes. <laughs> so from a uh, from the mobile command and the uh, control after that, I had an assignment at Headquarters Air Mobility Command in Scott Air Force Base, which is almost identical to the building we're sitting in. That job is so much like what I've done here at a, a UPS. And then I had the best assignment uh, in my Air Force career. I finished up as a, a first sergeant. And the first sergeant in the Air Force is about morale, welfare, and discipline. You're the commander's right-hand leader responsible for ensuring that the workforce remains deployable. So, you know, I had 17 years of logistics experience in in aviation and and three years as a first sergeant. And I can tell you, I use the skills that I Mm. developed as a first sergeant more in, in today's environment than I do the four college degrees in, in the 17 years of the uh, logistics.
0: Absolutely. I, I, so um, so it, it, as you're leading up to your transition, from the air force tell us
1: talk just a little more about that you, you know i i the air force and i retired loving it i retired at the very earliest uh, yeah, possible time 20 years and like 6 days and i was doing really well I, you know i was an, uh, a master sergeant was a uh, really uh, promotable for the, for the next rank and decided hey i i got all these degrees it's a good time to to look at retirement and so i actually put my paperwork in right at the 19 year mark and 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 focused um in addition to my last year in active duty on having a successful transition and i was was really wide open to um places to move to and companies to go work for and really positions in a um I really did a lot of homework I interviewed with a lot of companies the job market in 2007 is much like it is today Mm -hmm. it was a great job market and I had a lot of people offer me jobs and and I chose to to move to Atlanta and come work for UPS and it's uh, was a great decision
0: absolutely 12 years later you're doing big things doing bigger things I think um, your current role as director of International Air Freight LMG was a role you recently were promoted into, right?
1: Yeah, I've, I've been really blessed at UPS. So I jumped into UPS at a great opportunity. We, we were really had these amazing capabilities to support government business, but we were underwhelming it. So mm. I jumped into an opportunity that a, um, I was totally empowered to make changes, and I was able to make changes to our strategy, how we engaged and a, uh, we significantly grew the business and, and and I was UPS appreciated it I was promoted 3 times within my first 5 years Here at UPS and I I went on to be the director of global government operations Mm -hmm. and I did that job for a a full 12 years and at the beginning of this year like UPS does they they tapped me on the shoulder and and asked me to do something else and now I'm in charge of uh, essentially the strategy on our top 50 global air freight trade lines. Mm -hmm.
0: So before we go over to John Phillips and kind of get a a same appreciation for his professional journey, one, one quick question for you, Lloyd, uh, for the uh, the hiring managers out there in supply chain that, um, that want to benefit and want to tap into the veteran community and get better at, um, engaging and hiring and onboarding veterans, what would, what would be one thing far and away, one piece of advice you could offer those, those hiring managers?
1: Exactly, is, you know, military resumes sometimes aren't the greatest. They've really improved over the years. But a piece of advice I would give is hey, if you see a, a blip with the resume, look beyond that. Br- bring that veteran in and give them an opportunity to, to sell their skills and, and, and tell you what they did in the military. And then in the military as well, Everybody's involved in logistics. Right. <laughs> so almost every single job you have is logistics. One of the best hires I ever had in the UPS was I hired a mess sergeant and uh, he didn't even really know that he was a logistician. Mm. And he sat down with the interview for me, and uh, my dad happened to be an Army mess Sergeant, and I actually had to sell him that he was a logistician. (laughs) I was like, you're doing short-term planning, you're doing long-term planning, Mm. and and he's worked out really well at UPS. So so give them an opportunity to come in and, and, and sell themselves to you. Love that.
0: All right, so switching over to John Phillips here. Uh, author of Boots to Loafer. So, John, same question to you. Give our audience a sense of who you are, that professional journey you've made, including the transition and, and what you do now.
2: Well, I, I mean, I first joined the military, uh, similar to to uh, Lloyd here, uh, right out of high school. Uh, and I was a E, nothing private. <laughs> right. And uh, uh, which was a little unusual uh, for my dad. My dad is a retired colonel mm. from the Army. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, when I signed the contract, I didn't tell my parents, mm. uh, and my father, one of his jobs, he used to be the commander of the Southeast region recruiting district for the army. And, uh, when I told him I had enlisted, um, after, uh, a few choice words, he said, have you tell your recruiter to get in here and, and I want to talk to him. Oh. And I said, I'll tell her, <laughs> uh, to come right over. So, uh, yeah, I enlisted, uh, enlisted into the field artillery, uh, spent uh, three years enlisted, got out after three years as an E-4. Uh, I then went to immediate, like two weeks after I uh, got out, uh, started college, went to a junior college because I knew I was a very bad student. Uh, So I needed really going to get a leg up. Plus, I hadn't studied anything in years, so (laughs) I needed to figure out how to do that. I went and got my uh, associate's degree, and then transferred to the University of Central Florida, and I got my degree in finance. And really, the way I look at it is, is I, I I wanted to major in something that I could use after 20 years. I knew I wanted to be. I actually knew I wanted to be a soldier when I was five years old. Mm. Um, that's, it's what I, I was driven and that's what I wanted to do. And I did it and enjoyed it and had a great time. Uh, I mean, heck, I was getting paid to blow things up and go camping. Mm. What more could you want? (laughs) So, uh, when it got out, got my degree and actually went back into the field artillery, uh, and went back to the very same unit that I was in, in Germany, Mm. except as a Lieutenant this time and ran into E-5, E-6s, and E-7 sergeants that were peers of mine when I left four years before. Mm. We were all E-4s together. Right. And they had stayed. Back in those days, you could homestead a lot wherever you wanted to homestead. So uh served, uh, uh, I think I beat Lloyd. I think I was in 20 years, 14 days. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, served my 20 years and uh, so my transition was i literally i i retired from the army on a friday or went on terminal leave on a friday and i started with the uh, coca-cola company on a monday man so there really was no uh the, the transition for me was trying to figure out what the heck i was doing in corporate america because uh, at that time, and I'm finding out even today, the transition services that are provided to the military service members by each of the services is lacking. Mm. Uh, that was the genesis of Boots to Loafers. That's why I wrote the book. I got so upset about how I was ill prepared for corporate America that I had I really put pen to paper, and over the course of many many years, uh, I, I kept notes. And the notes turned into a notebook, and I said, oh, I need to do something with this. So uh, I hired an editor and uh, hired a guy out in uh, LA that was an HR guy. And uh, he helped me write a lot of the HR stuff because I'm definitely not an HR person. And uh, that's, that's kind of what happened with Booster Loafers. So now, um, and y'all might be familiar with this as well. I read the other day that the
0: Transition Assistance Program TAP is, is in the process of getting um, retooled and uh, rolled back out and hopefully in a much more effective manner. I don't know if y'all have seen the news reports on that.
2: Uh, well, it's been needed for years. Uh, There's so many different, uh, I can tell you from my experience in dealing with transitioning military, even as, as recent as this year, mm. it's amazing what I find out what, what individuals, these, these service members are not told. Everything from VA federal benefits to state benefits and entitlements that you get to just uh, financial planning, Mm. simple things like that.
1: So so one of the things uh, about TAP is it's time-constrained. So the, for the large part it's only three days mm. so the, uh, the you know that program is just going to be a baseline and a uh, to give you resources to go out and, and educate yourself and I think that's certainly what both John and, and I did uh, the great thing about now versus when when we retired is there's a lot more nonprofits that are engaged and there's a lot of resources now that are able and willing to provide you free assistance and your spouse free assistance assistance to, to help with that transition mm. seems
0: like more than ever this day and age there is a lot more support for military spouses which is a i think that's been a blind spot in a lot of the support and assistance and resources that have been available out there for decades uh, by extension that wasn't always offered for military spouses that's been a neat thing to, to watch happen So, so John, same question for you. If, if, if speaking to the hiring managers across supply chain, again, that folks that want to engage, they understand the wealth of talent that can be found in the veteran community, um, and folks that want to engage and, and, um, um, get them hired and get them onboarded successfully, what's the one thing that stands out that these folks can do that will make this task much, much easier?
2: I think uh, understanding they're not going to get the hundred percent solution that they may be looking for when it comes to talent. I think understanding that uh, you know eighty percent's okay because uh, you need to really have that space in there where somebody can grow and develop and and expand and and because you're base you're starting a new career, whether you're a first termer or a mid termer or a career uh, military person. You're, you're starting over because you know how you're, when you join, you're indoctrinated into the military. I was just, when I left home to come here, I was watching Stripes. Mm, yeah, and it was somewhere. the very beginning of it where they're going in and everybody's getting a haircut <laughs> right. and everybody's coming out the other end, and guess what, they all look alike. That's they're right. on green, they got wear green, and they're buzz head. Yeah. So you're going through this indoctrination. Yeah. What, what, they, what folks have got to understand is Well, what I would tell you is is a lot of hiring managers, they don't understand the capabilities that a lot of veterans bring to the plate. Mm. And I think if they tap into their local in the company resource, if they actually have a veteran business resource group, tap into that talent, tap into that knowledge and use those folks that are veterans that can help them. They can help them read resumes. They can help them with hiring events that they do. They can help them in multiple different ways to better understand the world that these individuals came from. Mm. It's way different than corporate America. Mm. Absolutely. Um, all right, so switching gears a little
0: bit here because you, you've touched on something we're going to talk a lot more about, the, the notion of the VBRG and, 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 and its role, I'm sure, in, in uh, founding and building Atlanta. So we'll talk more about that in a second, but hold that thought. Um, so one of, one of my more recent favorite articles is written by uh, Barry Hochfelder. And Barry, if I, I apologize if I'm getting your last name wrong, but it was a great article in Supply Chain Dive entitled, Veterans Bring Skills and Can-Do Attitude to Supply Chain Jobs. Again, Supply Chain Dive from late 2018. I want to quote the front end uh, of his this article. So here we are on the heels of the 75th anniversary of D-Day and, and here you know July 4th is just a couple days away. Um, Barry talks about how, quote, the men and women who, without computer aid, arranged for almost six thousand ships, eleven thousand five hundred ninety aircraft, one hundred fifty-six thousand troops, fifty-four thousand one hundred eighty-six vehicles, and. 104,428 tons of supplies on the beaches of Normandy in 1944 were logisticians of the first order. 27 days after the June 6th invasion, there was more there were more than 1 million allied troops, 566,648 tons of supplies, and over 171,000 vehicles ashore. So in quote you might ask, you know what is that ROI? defeating totalitarianism. And that is, um, I love when I, as I first stumbled across this article and, and of course the passion we all have about helping veterans find uh, employment in the, in the private sector on the other side of their transition that communicates to me, the sense of mission and the sense that we're going to get this done. I know it's never been done before, but we're going to make it happen uh, because of the odds, because of what's at stake and military men and women find a way. I mean, they find a way at the end of the day, and that speaks volumes to me. So with that background, the question I want to pose to both of y'all is, you know, why are supply chain careers such an opportunity for veterans? And, Lloyd, let's start with you.
1: Yeah, I, I love that example that you, you gave. Another one of my favorite, you know, being a, a crew member was a couple of years later, the Berlin Airlift. Yes. So the Berlin air, Airlift is absolutely amazing. We, we've never saw anything like that at that time, to the, the resupply a city completely by air, which is just mind-boggling to think about it now. So I think we touched we touched on it a little bit earlier. You know, every veteran— it, or every military member has some part of uh, logistics or supply chain in their career field. You could be an, a, uh, an artilleryman like John. You could be in the infantry. You could be a crew member. Part of your job is going to be logistics. Mm. It, and I like a, uh, I, I like to focus on uh, leadership. And a uh, every supply chain job – every logistics job there's going to be uh, some sort of leadership component into it and i'll look at a um some of the training i received in the military you, you know i i went to um nco preparatory school how to become a a, a sergeant i went to the uh, nco academy the senior non-commissioned officer academy and the first sergeant academy and in the um in the air force our our professional military education is about leadership and management becoming uh, more effective communicating giving speeches writing papers becoming a you know program manager and you know the 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 first course was 2 weeks long and the second one was six weeks the third one was eight weeks and then another six-week class and i look around corporate america you know corporate america is not spending that kind of uh uh, spend on their even their executives Mm. and you know the military is doing that for you know their enlisted leaders and and their officers and and a. uh that's absolutely amazing. And the value somebody with that formal management leadership can bring to your supply chain organization mm. is just immense.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned the Berlin Airlift on the front end of that uh, answer, Lloyd. And I cannot for the life of me think about the name of the cigar-chopping Air Force General that led – the, and and I can picture him. And maybe Malcolm and the research team will shoot me a note here before we finish up. But we'll circle back on that. <laughs> so,
1: so the 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 one uh, uh, that I, I remember, and I actually had the privilege of beating some a couple times, was Gail Haverson. So, Gail Haverson was the candy bomber. Mm. So he was the one who was flying C forty seven and decided to throw candy bars out of the airplane and make a uh, little parachutes. Uh, out of handkerchiefs and, and that developed into a movement during the mm. Berlin Air, Airlift. and They uh got the uh chance to meet a uh, uh uh Colonel Halverson and the Air Force actually named their K loader, which is a piece of equipment that yes. load was, an airplane.
0: I was certified on the K loader.
1: Yeah. So they so the 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 latest one that they had when I was there was the, the Halverson K loader.
0: I don't remember that 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 name, but uh, they don't they didn't let me touch too much too much equipment when I was <laughs> in the Air Force, uh, but that was one. Uh, I, I that was the, the what re- like the elevator like lift yeah, right absolutely. We yeah. we had the um, KC-135 at at McConnell, and so we'd put air uh, cargo in that you know above the the um, all the fuel that's stored in the belly of the aircraft, and of course the wings. And uh, I still had I got a card somewhere. I'm going to dig that up. Maybe I, I've got a, a trucker post-career set up for me. But um, so, John, same question to you. So what, let's talk about why supply chain careers are such a, a great opportunity for
2: veterans. Well, I, th- I mean, it's just like what we've been saying. I think every veteran out there is touched by, they're in the supply chain. And I'll, I'll go back on my career as an artilleryman. Um, you know, you, you, it's kind of two-pronged. The first prong is, is you're mission oriented. You're there to support the maneuver forces, the tankers and the grunts. Uh, that's your primary mission, but you're not gonna be able to do that unless the log- logistics side is fully up and operational. Mm. Are they supplying beans, bullets, gas, diesel? Mm and all the supply parts that you need in order to repair the equipment. If you don't have all have all of that stuff, then you're not going to do the mission. It's not going to happen because you're going to break and you're going to sit there. And now you're you're out of operation. There's just everything that we do in the military is ties back to supply chain. One of the things that I always tell folks is for every trigger puller, there's 11 people behind them that are supporting them in mm. supply chain. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, from your example on D-Day, I mean, my father landed on D-Day at Omaha Beach, and and the thing that is fascinating about those uh, those statistics that you quoted there is, can you imagine what they? Ha- if you just follow the tail of the supply chain all the way to the to the origins, can you imagine what it was what it took just to feed them? Mm. Just to feed them. That, that's incredible to me. Back in those days when nothing was automated it was all stubby pencil and pieces of paper probably Mm. carbon paper (laughs) you'll have to explain that on a on a different podcast (laughs) but uh i mean it's just amazing the things that can be done by the military because we're mission oriented Mm. you give us a mission and lloyd probably experiences at ups like i did at coca-cola when i was during my career at coca-cola you give me a mission, and I'm going to figure out how to do it. Whether I have the resources or not, I'm going to figure out how to do it. That's mm. what we're trying to do. Mm. Yep. You know, in
0: hearing both of you all address that question, one of the things that really stands out, especially in today's um, global economy with global and in supply chains, you know, working upstream and downstream based on where you are in the, in the supply chain, you've got to be able to effectively communicate, problem solve, um, understand root cause, uh, work in those teams, Right. And I think that's one thing that the military really gets right. You know, when I was a data analyst in the Air Force, we worked with the maintainers, we worked with the officers that were in charge with um, managing the operations and the maintenance operations upstream and downstream, and and there was a um, just an, a camaraderie that is so unique to the military, and and it it really just serves as a grease that lubes the the skids to make that you know cross functional collaboration happen. So and, and hearing both of y'all kind of Answer that question about why supply chain careers are such a great opportunity for veterans. That's certainly one thing that stood up my mind. Lloyd, you're going to add something else?
1: No, I, I think you're absolutely right. A, uh, the ability to work effectively in teams, and then work across the uh, um, the great spectrum. You know, I, as a uh, as an E7 in in Headquarters Air Mobility Command, you know, I, I could be on the phone with an E1. A uh, airman basic, you know, working operational issues, and then at the same time walk down the hallway and and have a conversation with the four star general mm. a, at a headquarters. And I mean, there's not too many um, organizations that you can have that kind of experience with.
2: Absolutely, I could tell you that uh, I, there's a here's a little story about a uh, sergeant first class who was. Uh, he was actually interning with, uh, I hope I get struck by lightning here since we're at UPS, but he was interning <laughs> at DHL. And uh, he was at the Duracell uh, Warehouse. So about a year ago, we had these uh, hurricanes hit, South Carolina, North Carolina, and everything, and it was devastating. Mm. The interesting thing was this, this uh, Sergeant First Class, uh, these hurricanes hit, and all of a sudden, everything goes into crisis management. And it's... Uh, and he basically what happened is is things got a little chaotic and he literally stepped up and took charge at the duracell warehouse right here in in the uh, south side of atlanta mm-hmm. uh, because they needed to get duracell batteries to south carolina and north carolina because there was no electricity or anything so they tried to push this stuff out they had no contingency plan he wrote it mm. like on the spot like from his experience, from being a logistician in the 82nd Airborne, and he got in there and just literally took charge. Uh, and you know, so, the long story short is, he finished his internship, and they were—they actually came back to me and they said, "We want more of him." Mm, mm. They were blown away, and I'll, he just did what he was trained to do.
1: And nobody was shooting at him or blowing stuff. That's around. right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> he—but he, I'll tell you, when he stepped up, everybody paid attention.
1: Mm. Yeah, very cool.
0: So Malcolm and the research team got back to me, uh, General Curtis LeMay,
1: yeah, Curtis, old LeMay.
0: iron pants is one of his nicknames. I'm not going to mention some of the others, but he he led, I believe, the Berlin Airlift Lloyd and was known for chomping on stogies amongst other, other incredible leadership. And, and um, you know, going back to something you said, John, you find a way, You find right? a way. You find a way. So, um, all right. So. This next segment of, of today's conversation here on the VetLanta Voice on Supply now Radio, we're going to dive into the VetLanta story. And so for you listeners that may be in Minnesota or uh, Canada or over in Europe somewhere, and you may be thinking, okay, how does this apply to me? Is this yet one more Atlanta story? Well, I would argue that the why and and what it's done and, and the benchmark are the best practices that you stand to, uh, benefit from makes this really a universal topic. So while we're proud of uh, Vetlan and what it's done here in Atlanta, um, you know, stick with us because I think you, you can stand to gain something. And if nothing else, you will absolutely better understand it as as John and Lloyd have been doing a great job of sharing the kind of the mindset uh, of the veteran community. All right, so let's dive right into Vetland. So. The f- first, we want to start with why. Uh, you know, why was why was the need? Why the need for VetLanta? And
1: Lloyd, let's start with you. You, you know, I, I'll, I'll take it back to my story, my VBRG story. So when, when I got to and, you. And, and
0: VBRG, Veteran vet, Business.
1: Yeah, Veteran Business Resource Group, Veteran Affinity Groups. It's uh, something that falls usually in the, the diversity and inclusion umbrella of a, of a company. And a, uh, when I started at UPS 12 and a half years ago, something, what was missing was there was a couple. First, my network had just disappeared overnight. You know, I, I retired on a Friday and started mm-hmm. with UPS on a Monday in a new city. Um, but was, what was really missing for me was the uh, esprit de corps, the morale, um, you know, the teams that, that I had and I worked with. And and a, uh, I, I missed the Air Force from day one. And I was doing well, but there was always something missing. And a, uh, about f- five years into my career, uh, UPS decided to go this business resource group uh, route. And they, they authorized, you know, the um, business units to, to start them. And, uh, you know, we UPS, we started a Latino group. A African American group, a pride group, and, and a veterans group, and I had really the privilege of starting the very first one at UPS here at our corporate office, and I ran that for for two one year stints, and really got it up and running, and and a uh, and handed it off, and right about you know six months before I handed it off, I get I got this call from Coca Cola from a uh, one of the uh, John's peers and John was putting together the, this a uh, really this collaboration session to find out what different Fortune 500 companies were doing for a uh, for veterans and a because uh, I think very arrogantly he thought at the time Coca Cola was the only one in the city doing anything, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> John's ready
0: to weigh in on that I think.
1: <laughs> so so re- really he he, uh, he called these groups in and I'll I'll let him take uh, take over here in a second and tell why he called these groups in. But uh it was a, an amazing session that very first meeting we we had about um 20 people in from about a dozen different organizations and we we talked about what each of our companies or organizations were doing to support veterans and what we found out was our organizations were doing amazing things nationally but even more important locally Mm. and we just weren't talking to each other so so john you want to tell us a little bit why your idea brilliant idea of calling these organizations together
2: well the other thing we found out is and you just touched on it at the end is we didn't know each other and that was that was the beginnings of um of the whole initiative really because when we concluded that meeting i kind of threw the through the gauntlet down and said can you imagine what we would do if we if we banded together because i do understand uh you know you start to pull all these organizations and these major corporations together, and you get them to back you, which has taken us a little bit of time to happen, but it has happened in spades. I mean, we've had we have dozens of companies that are backing us now, uh, as far as being a legitimate organization and everything, and uh, it's been incredible what we've been able to accomplish over the last five and a half years. So. You know we finished that first meeting we went to another meeting we went to another meeting and then all of a sudden it just started really developing and somewhere along the route uh a company by the name of j walter thompson who does all the marketing for the marine corps for the past 70 80 years they stepped up and they basically said we want to help you out uh you can come uh, come to our offices they actually assigned a program manager or a project manager to oversee the entire thing and this was actually part of this person's job and uh so we we would go to work during the day and then we would go up here to buckhead and we would go to jwt for two three hours and i mean we're doing like sticky notes on the windows <laughs> right. and you know the big post strategy boy. sessions yeah, the whole thing i mean this went on for weeks and uh they came back so the name of atlanta the logo of atlanta our foundational structure and, uh, and vision was all done by J. Walter Thompson. We voted on it. We, uh, we had some pretty healthy conversations about it. And that's one of the things that I think has really helped of Atlanta is is don't be afraid to push back on somebody. But at the end of the day, once the decision is made on what direction we're going to go in, you salute the flagpole and you move on, mm. and 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 it's uh, it's worked that way for five and a half years now, and it's been it's worked quite well. Mm. And sometimes you got to wear your your body armor into this
0: pancake breakfast, right? <laughs> you do. Um, it's
2: it's uh, it's like going to an AAR at NTC or JRTC where it's brutal. <laughs> Because uh, everyone's going to tell you just how messed up you are, but uh, you know, part of this journey, we—I would—what was it? The second or third year or so, we were we were really kicking around. Are we going to be a club? Are we going to be a nonprofit? What are we going to blah blah? So we made a decision that we are going to be a club. So the two foundational uh, tenets, or so, if that's what you want to call it for for Vet Atlanta is is we are apolitical. We don't take any political affiliation one way or the other. And the second is, and more importantly, this is really the big one, is we don't take anybody's money. We don't want your money. Uh, And believe it or not, that has opened so many doors for us. We had the VA secretary come to Atlanta Mm. to meet with us. He had heard about us and he just could not figure out how do you function and you have no money. And I think it turned into like a two-hour conversation with Mm. this guy. So if if I can,
0: so for our audience listeners, we're talking with Lloyd Knight um, and John Phillips, uh, co-founders of Vetlanta and business leaders and supply chain uh, leaders as well. Um, and I want to go back, I want to make sure our audience hears a couple things loud and clear that y'all have already just shared. And and this is, you know, whether the Clevelands or Seattles or, or you name it, I'm not picking on those two cities, but any other, any other listener that has a passion for moving the needle for the veteran community, especially from a, a business standpoint, these are lessons you can take back and, and, and are, it's a benchmarking opportunity. And, and the first one, uh, John, you mentioned was, you know, don't let the four walls contain all of your engagement you know i think it would have been easy and we're we you both y'all represent organizations fortune 500 iconic brands and it's easy i'm sure to sit within the four walls and and all the things that, that were greatly going on at coca-cola company and ups however the thing that i heard made bitland such a, a a smashing success and make it more powerful is how these companies came together despite what they were doing individually they came together and then the second thing that I think we've got to make sure our audience is well aware of that that Vetlanta does so well is the vetting. You know, in this day and age, and, and Lloyd, you talk about the the nonprofit ratings that are out there. You know, the Pancake Breakfast, which was a uh, what we mentioned this a second ago. John and Lloyd use these Pancake Breakfasts at the Pancake House up in Alpharetta as a, as a means of of better understanding all these nonprofits that have raised up in recent years. Some are doing are on a noble mission, others are something a little bit different. And so, how important is that vetting? And I'm tr- I'm trying to be very uh, sensitive here, but but how important in this day and age is the vetting of these resources?
1: Well, the vetting is really important, and I'll, I'll explain the, the pancake breakfast a, a little more in detail when when we first started this don't forget the bacon (laughs) and the crispy bacon when we first started this this a really this mission we got a lot of attention because you got to remember who were our members who were driving this thing and we had ups and coca-cola and delta Mm. home depot ge at&t McKesson John Walter Thompson we had some great company so everybody wanted to be involved and one of the lessons we learned is not everybody that says they they, uh, uh, help veterans really honestly provide value to veterans Mm. and so we had to figure out this avenue on how to vet them and a you know john was a financial leader at coca cola you know i'm doing big things here at eps there wasn't enough hours in the day mm. you know i think at the beginning it was hey let's squeeze in coffee here or 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 after hours here and after hours we ended up having a lot of our board meetings and, you know Scott was a pillar director for a while, and we had our pillar meetings so the only time to, to really meet with these nonprofit groups were at breakfast and so our first breakfast some of them were as early as six a m and then i think we we pivoted to six thirty even even seven <laughs> but in the, the early ones we were meeting with two three four uh nonprofits at a time, and what we found out was uh the vetum, we would just Ask very straightforward questions. You know what? What value are you providing veterans? People, I will tell you, yeah.
2: a lot of these companies or organizations got very uncomfortable. You'd see them start squirming in their seat because mm. you're putting them on the spot. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I would argue that
0: we need to put the, some of these nonprofits. I mean, unfortunately, I've had a similar experience. Uh, you know, rubbing elbows with folks that we heard ABC, and that was anything but that. what, what was really going on. And, and that's such a – you know, at the end of the day, it's not about what folks are getting away with. But more importantly, it's about how veterans, unfortunately, get – not only do they get tied up in these in these groups that may not, at the end of the day, help them, but also all the misinformation and the noise out there and how that takes away from these groups that are – important to uh, veterans transition and their well-being and, and their success on the other side you know
1: yeah absolutely one of the things we wanted to try to do is was to uh, align services these groups offered you know to provide the right service at the right time a, uh to you know the the right person that to have an impact and a uh, you know transitioning is now you know when john and i retired there wasn't that many resources now there's hundreds and hundreds of resources. So it's like running down a hallway full sprints <laughs> right. and, and people yelling at you on both sides and trying to figure out who's going to help me, who's yes. going to help my family. So one of the things I'm very proud of with Atlanta is the organizations that that we've teamed up with, the, the health veterans and their families. And another thing I'm really proud of is we, we've built this huge organization. We've kept money out of it. But we've also tried to keep it really pure. And one of the questions that we ask ourselves in these board meetings all the time is like, hey, this topic we're talking about, does it help veterans? Mm-hmm. Because if it doesn't help veterans, let's move on to the next topic.
0: Yeah, focus mission. All right, so we've kind of talked about why the need. We've kind of talked a little bit about the genesis of VetLanta. Let's talk more about what it does. Yeah, I think there. I know VetLanta has got um, – they 're touching so many aspects of what veterans need and 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 you mentioned the pillar program that might be a good place to start, but what does
1: VetLanta do come on john I, w- I want to hear it. VetLanta is a collaborator on what
2: steroids <laughs> that 's what we do i mean it's uh, the biggest thing that it that came out of this entire journey that we 've been on for five and a half years is we we have it 's really just developed into it but you know, we know how to collaborate and bring organizations together. So if you look at the structure of VetLanta, and, and it's uh, the, what we call it is the VetLanta ecosystem, we, we deal with for-profit companies, nonprofit companies, governmental agencies, both state, federal, and local, as well as academia, and it's the wide spectrum. It's everything from four-year colleges to technical colleges. We bring all of them together in a room for one reason and one reason only to help veterans and their families really to help veterans and their families and what we do is we collaborate on steroids we bring people together from all of these organizations and companies and believe it or not a lot of them they don't even they don't know each other even in the nonprofit space where you've got 45,000 plus of these organizations out of there yeah. this is a John Phillips uh, statistic 80% of them aren't worth even talking to because they're after one thing a dollar Mm. and uh what we do is is we get them all in a room and we all have conversations so my my comment to a lot of these organizations especially the nonprofits that are always out there beating the bush looking for the almighty dollar is would you rather have a piece of the dollar or none Mm. take your pick
1: (laughs) that's pretty clear cut yeah. And, and w- w- one of the great things we do for, you know, nonprofit organizations, most of them need money. So we're, we're not a, we're not against that. But what we are there for is to make sure they're providing value to veterans, right? Mm. And one of the great things we offer from the Fortune 500 perspective of, of Atlanta, we offer them an avenue into our organizations. You know, neither John and I were in a position for Coca-Cola or UPS to write anybody a check. It, w- it w- wasn't going to happen. But all of our companies would have um, uh, tracking systems to track volunteer hours. Mm. And I can tell you from the uh, UPS side of the house, we've got this great foundation that is providing a tremendous amount of resources internationally, including the veteran space. But one of the things they do when somebody applies for a grant is they look to see how many employee volunteer hours, mm-hmm. and a lot of nonprofits just have no idea about that system or even how to uh, find a champion within a, with a company. And and I, that's one of our you know early discussions we always have is like, hey, if Atlanta doesn't have any money. Uh, our members don't work for the foundations. We're not going to write you a check, but we what we can do is we can educate you on you know the the process. And even better is help you find volunteers within our organization. Well, and then the other
2: part of it is 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 especially for in all, you know not to pick on nonprofits all the time, but but to Lloyd's point they're 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 nonprofits, but they're always out looking for a way to fund themselves. Sure. You got a date whoever it is you're wanting to talk mm-hmm. to, whether it's a UPS, a Coke, a Home Depot, Foundation, Marcus Foundation, whoever, you just don't meet them the first time and go, oh, by the way, I need $25,000. Or $250,000. It yeah,
1: it's big amounts. It ain't yeah. going
2: to happen. And and Lloyd knows this. It, it, a lot of these major, major corporations, they get asked for money awesome. all the time. And they are they get tone deaf. The, the advantage that we have in Vetlana through the BRG networks is – we know our companies. Mm-hmm. We know the people that we need to approach. But what we can do for, them, for the companies ahead of time is we can vet these organizations. And trust me, we're, we're pretty tough. Uh, we can sniff out the folks that are just telling a story. St- Lloyd's got a great story about a couple of guys that were doing cruises. Because they wanted to go on cruises and they were, they were actually hustling people and getting money to go on cruises. I need to put a legal disclaimer in here that, that, uh, supply chain that radio is not, I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
0: So, but, but, but you're illustrating that that's, that's reality. It's real. These, and, and, and while on one side of the, of the coin, no pun intended, the corporations are asked for money all the time. Uh. Right. But on the flip side, go back to the veteran, they get, you know, they're overwhelmed with a ton of resources and, and, you know, limited time, limited limited money. I mean, we, we, you transition once, right? Or, or maybe twice, a couple of times, But uh, for some folks. But, you know, when they're burnt once or when uh, someone lets them down, they can shy away from the outstanding resources that are out there. And that's the true, I think, just from where I sit, that's one of the biggest um, uh, challenges, biggest threats we have as we're all looking for ways to better support the veterans in transition. Man, we got to... To your point we got to root them out for the folks that aren't doing the noble mission thing and we got to make sure that, that gets communicated
2: oh and what i would tell you from uh you know from an uh, let's say you're you're a transitioning service member and you want to you're looking for what's my next <clears throat> what's the next phase of my life and if they want to come to atlanta we have done all the all of the hard work of vetting the organizations we have the we have the uh know-how and wherewithal to help these individuals and steer them in the right direction. Not necessarily what Atlanta can do for them, but we can definitely point them in the right direction of who to go and talk to. Mm. One of our partners, Hire Heroes USA, they do an incredible job with resumes. They also can help you find a job as well Mm. at, at certain levels and things. But we have all of these partners within the community here of Atlanta, and even the, the I keep circling back to the BRGs because that's our that's where we started. Yeah. So you have all of these veterans that already work for these major companies that understand the hiring process of these companies, and you know half the battle of getting hired by these companies is how do you get my how do I get my foot in the door? Yep.
0: And we're so let, let's and talk, we can help with that. That's right. And, and so let's talk about that. But before we do, one little interesting connection because I think when when in the early days of Vetlana, john i believe you were in a procurement leadership role with coca-cola is that right finance finance okay you you're previous to that i remember you telling the story on, on that second episode you're going into some of these plants and oh yeah, and yeah auditing yeah, yeah, inventories yeah, yeah. and stuff all right so i'm gonna I'm put you in the supply chain finance okay. bucket okay? okay obviously lloyd is a ups a proud supply chainer and I bet, I don't know all the other folks that came together to really found Vetlanta, but I, my hunch is that supply chain, that supply chain know-how and can-do, that spirit had a lot to do with it, right?
1: Well,
2: yeah.
0: Um, so, we're in Atlanta. That's <laughs> a supply chain city. <laughs> Hello. That's exactly. right. So let's talk talk about the uh, you're just finishing your point on business networking, because that's a huge gap for many. I mean, Lloyd, you're talking about how you lost your network uh, from Friday to Monday because you went from the military side to the private sector side. And I should also say a disclaimer for our audience. We're sitting with two unique folks because I would argue most overwhelming majority of folks coming out of the military don't leave. Or retire on a friday and start with a a role on uh, a a new exciting role much less on a monday Um, not
2: only that you don't hang with the same company for your entire second mm, career like i know i have and lloyd has
0: mm, absolutely all right so but business networking you know helping veterans make those connections and helping them establish grow and and um, uh, build their networks um, we're coming off the first Super Summit, which was at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where over a thousand folks came out to the Vetlanta Super Summit. How, in y'all's view, when it comes to networking and
1: making connections, how
0: do what role does that play?
1: You, you know, we, uh, t- looking at our summits, our, our very first summit we talked about, it was. 25 people and then we have quarterly summits this last one was was a thousand people and we've put together great agendas and have amazing guest speakers Governor Brian Kemp was our, our last keynote speaker we've had the Inspector General of the Army We've had the secretary, the acting secretary of the Army. We've had some great speakers, but really the value, most valuable portion is the ninety minutes beforehand where we network, and uh, veterans are very interesting. Veterans build great networks internally, mm. and they and and they, they use their networks internally, and then it comes time to transition. And it's like they forget how to do it. Mm -hmm. They haven't built an external network, and they don't know where to go to network. and And what we've built together is here in Atlanta is this instant network that you can plug and play. And I'm still amazed that how many people we introduce. Uh, where, you know, maybe not the direct inter- introduction, but maybe two or three levels down, somebody gets a job out mm. of that network. Absolutely. And I think we see more people get a job from that network versus a direct application somewhere else. So really, really important, a, uh, veterans, if you're not using LinkedIn – absolutely develop a, a LinkedIn profile, start using LinkedIn, connect with the supply chain leaders, logistics leaders. And I think this is something that John and I found. Mm. Most people want to help veterans. Absolutely. You know, the worst they're going to do is ignore you if you, if you ask for, for assistance. So yeah.
0: if, if I could paint just a quick picture, and John will get you to weigh in on Super Summit as well, but I think one of the things that makes the summits in general here at Atlanta and the Super Summit certainly successful, and I think one of the biggest... Uh, best practices that groups wherever you are in different cities, different geographic areas can learn from is that at, at that super summit at the incredible Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is one heck of a venue to get by the way. Um, you had dozens of suppliers and resources and and um, folks that can help veterans all set up shop. So 46 of uh, them. 46. I knew I, knew I was going to get that number wrong. But So you had 46 resources. So veterans knew that if they could come out, the 1,000 folks came out, they signed up for free, didn't charge a dime. Going back to John, something you said. So not only are they coming out for free at a world-class venue where they're going to meet other veterans and more equally as important folks that want to help, but it's all going to be right there with food. And then they're going to hear from some of these folks that, that you just spoke to that that do want to help.
1: Before we go any further, yeah. the the, uh, the one great thing about our Vet Atlanta Summit, it, it, it's not only for veterans that need help. Mm, great point. And, and I think more people come to those summits that are looking to get engaged in their community, maybe volunteer activism. And, a, you know, our, our summits are usually, you know, the the byproduct is how big a veteran. Really, they're used to inspire, motivate, and form those community volunteers, veteran or non-veterans, that are looking to get engaged in the community and provide value to the community. Mm. Yeah, it's not a job fair. Mm. That's right. It's not a job
2: fair. I mean, it's uh, to me, it's um, – I can tell you when we have these summits, I oftentimes sit to the side, and I just want to – I'm going to observe. I like to observe and see what's going on. Um, and I'll, I'll spend a lot of times pushing these vets to go talk with people mm. because they're so reserved sometimes. And uh, I mean, in the military, you don't talk about yourself, right? Uh, you'll do it once and then you're going to be ostracized off to the side because all of a sudden you're, you know, it's all about you. Mm. Well, when you get out in corporate America, it is all about you. Because if you don't talk about yourself and it's, it's what I talk about in my book is talking about you're changing what did I do to what it, or actually changing what did we do? So what did I do? Mm. And you've got to make that transition and start talking about that because you are your best marketing person sure. to market yourself. And that's, I spend a lot of time doing that and pushing these folks out there and say, get out there and meet people, mm. Mm. shake their hand, get to know who they are. And then the most important thing is, is what's your follow-up? Mm. Because the one thing I can tell you at our summits, you don't know who you're gonna meet. Mm. Uh, this, this super summit we just had, I mean we had some pretty high speed uh C level executives roaming around <laughs> and you, I mean that's a, you got to have your elevator pitch ready to go and you got to know what you want to do mm. and if you don't we can again going back to what I said previously we can point you in the right direction to get that skill set and in, in uh in practice and things like that to help you along mm. outstanding so uh, come off the hills of this this huge super summit at Mercedes
0: Benz Stadium, home of the Falcons and the um, World Champion. Um, Atlanta United. Yes, Atlanta United. Thank you. Um, all right. So, what's next? What's the What's the next big event?
1: You know, we, we have a uh, we have our, our Q three summit is going to be on September twenty fifth at Coca Cola. Is, is hosting mm-hmm. and that's going to be dedicated to female veterans so we're really looking yeah, forward to that if you want some more information keep your eye out at vetlanta.org v-e-t-l-a-n-t-a.org sign up for our newsletter and you'll get a uh, invites to our summits and you'll get the written version of the vetlanta voice there once a good. month <laughs> and uh but we have a lot of great things A uh w- one of the things we're really excited that we're working on is to be more engaged from a, uh, from a, you know, a lot of our engagement for the first three years of Atlanta was at a tactical level, hosting events, job fairs, you know, providing individual assistance. And and now we've developed really to focus on um, policy, Mm. and a in uh, in engagement and networking and more on the strategic level. And something we we did about a year ago was we invited both state and federal legislators in, in into a, a room and had them all sit down at the table. And one of the things that amazed us was some of the same lessons we learned in the first Atlanta summit. Nobody knew each other. Mm which was shocking. And they, uh, not only did they not know each other, they didn't know a lot of the resources that were out there. Mm. You know, they all had knew, knew about the American Legion and, and VFW and, you know, how to engage with the VA. But that was only a very small percentage uh, of organizations that are out there. And, and then some of their uh, policies weren't great. Uh, you know, some of their um, – uh, assumptions they made were wrong. And so what we're really excited about is we're going to start having this regular conversation. Mm. And uh, we think we're going to gain a, a lot out of it. We're going to be able to uh, use our network really to, 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 to guide policy and better inform the legislators, both federally, state-wise, and, and locally. John, what do you think?
2: No, I think it's, uh, you know, we're the one thing we've definitely done very well is, is we we keep our eye on the ball. Um, we have not uh, um, just sat back on our laurels and talk about how great we are and all this great, all this stuff. I mean, we we Deloitte and I talk all the time, and we're always talking about you know how do we make things better? Mm. Uh, and this is a shift in strategy for us, and uh, in in really getting into the policy and thing There are a lot of things that we can do in the state of Georgia. And capitalize, and go to other states in the union, and uh, see what what are other states doing. That's just one little piece of it, but what are other states doing for their for their vets from a state perspective? Right. Um, and what can we do to help with, uh, and then translate that over into legislative uh, changes, possibly, uh, and figure out how we do that. Uh, it, that's that's something new. We are nobody else is doing that. By mm-hmm. the way, absolutely. Well, you, and and one of the phrases that I've heard you, if I've heard you say it once, I've heard you
0: say it a thousand times. Deeds, not words. Yep. Right. It's not about uh, talks. Fancy schmancy uh, website or social media or meetings after meeting. It's about what are you doing? Yep. And that's what. Uh I what I admire about a lot of my experience with Vetlanta where it's the days of service. It's 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 being that Vetlan is being a conduit between the veteran community and all the opportunities that have been vetted. You know, when we had uh Apex Land, one of our sponsors, when we, we worked on with the Georgia Logistics Summit to have a thousand seats for veterans, well we struggled with being able to reach the veterans and then and, and make sure they knew of this no strings opportunity with a fantastic Georgia Logistics Summit and Modex event. Atlanta stepped in, and that we had over 100 veterans. Um, that is all about action. You know, it's not about lip service. It's about taking action and really figuring out a way to move the needle in a very meaningful fashion. And that's, you know, I've always uh, admired y'all's bias for action. That's, that's exactly what y'all do.
2: Well, it's, and we've, and I'm going to tell you, that's that's actually the backbone of our vetting process. Mm. I can tell you Lloyd and I have met with a multiple companies and we, all of a sudden we asked them a very simple question. Can you outline for us what you've actually done? Mm. Not your intentions, not your grand no, strategy. Not a bunch of talk. Not. Your- you know, give me the strategy <laughs> briefing and I I want to know what have you what's fact. Yeah.
0: That's right. Absolutely. So we've already, uh, Lloyd, you've already talked about how folks can, can learn more. And, and I want to encourage our listeners, folks, whether if if you're in Atlanta and you want to plug in, if you want to, if you want to help, if you want to serve, if you're a veteran that wants to plug in and and take advantage of of these resources, or if you are in a different geographic area and you want to uh, compare notes with uh, Lloyd or John, uh, vetlanta.org is the clearinghouse for that, right?
1: Yeah. You can touch base with either John and I on LinkedIn as well. We're, we're both. Big in the LinkedIn, uh, and and I'll I'll offer this. One of the things that that I've done as president of Atlanta is I've kept it local. So I, I wanted to focus on the 22 counties that, that make up the Greater Atlanta area and serve veterans local. And we had this big call to franchise several years ago, and we we're getting national attention. But the fact of the matter is there's not enough hours in the day. Mm. So, you know, I, I put in 500 hours a year volunteering to do mm. this and a, uh, you know, all are a, uh, uh, positions, you know, on the board or on the pillar team, folks are pretty busy. So I, I thought we would spread ourselves too thin, especially remaining a, a club. And yeah, but one of the things we've done is we've probably reached out to over two dozen cities uh, in in the United States uh, and provided them our charter. Mm and yeah, our playbook mm. our, our, our best practices certainly lessons learned i think when we whenever i get on the phone with a uh, with a representative from a company in another city when we compare notes it's oftentimes it's lessons learned
2: mm. this is this is one of these initiatives that it's it can't be a hey you i need you to go do this you gotta want to do this work that's right this is all we're all volunteers we don't get paid one bloody cent for this You know, my personal satisfaction in this is uh, this is what I was trained to do as an officer in the United States Army is to take care of my troops. Mm. And that's all this is, is this is an extension of that, just like Lloyd being a first sergeant. Take care of your, your airmen.
1: Mm. People That's what you are do. our business is the People, motto of the first sergeant. There you
2: go. Yeah. That's right. And it hasn't changed. That will never change because at the end of the day, we have to take care of each other. We have that common thread. Mm. We have that common thread of the background and the sacrifices that we have made. It's it To me, it's the least we can do mm. is to give back. It's the least we can do to give back to our community and to grow within our community to help because we're gonna be able to help our own community here. Our job is also to educate the community. We are the other 1%. Mm. We need to educate that other 99%. Absolutely. And that's what I tell a lot of these uh, transitioning service members that get into these companies around the Atlanta area is, it is your responsibility, whether it doesn't matter if you're a first-termer or a career uh service member to me it is your responsibility to educate those people in that company the other 99 percent on the military because most of them the only thing they know about the military is what they see on the news Mm. and what they see in the movies and we know how accurate both of those are (laughs) right absolutely uh we're in the business of uh, what was that motto people are
0: our business people are our business i think that is people are our business and for the sake of this series uh, putting a spotlight and getting the word out to your point, John, that that's really going to be our North star. So uh, Lloyd and John, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we could sit here. There's other stories we're going to have to save for later episodes, <laughs> undoubtedly, but really enjoyed this first conversation. This kind of this, um, this baseline we're, we're, we're putting in place here and a lot more to come.
1: Hey, one of the things we can ask the listeners now is get in contact with us. Let us know what you want to talk about. Mm. You know, through this series, it's not going to be, all about Atlanta or Atlanta specific. So if you have any great topics you want us to cover, just let us know.
0: Mm. On that note, we will put a, uh, a mechanism on the dedicated show page so folks can, can submit that feedback very easily.
2: And, uh, yeah, John, and let's not forget, 25 September, the Coca-Cola Company down on North Avenue. Keep an eye out on our website, on our LinkedIn site. Come out and join us. And we also have Facebook, And it's all centered around women veterans. And it's going to prove to be, it's going to be impactful. So if you are a female veteran out there, or even an active duty guard or reservist that is looking to get out in the next, I'd say 12 to 18 months, your place of duty on the 25th of September is the Coca-Cola company, because we can help direct you and guide you in the right direction. Love it. It's a 24-hour PCS, right? (laughs) Coca-Cola Company. That's it. Atlanta. (laughs) All right.
0: Vetlanta.org is a place to get more information. Uh, We've been talking with uh, Lloyd Knight and John Phillips. Uh, Lloyd, Director of International Air Freight LMG at UPS Global Forwarding. Also a co-founder and current president of Vetlanta, John Phillips, author of Boots Loafers. Check it out. Great book uh, dedicated to successful transition uh, John's also co-founder and vice president of vetlanta okay so we're gonna wrap up on some upcoming events here at supply chain our radio uh come check us out in person we've got a lot of trade shows we're gonna be out at uh starting with the 2019 aiag scac supply chain and quality conference in beautiful north charleston south carolina september 12th through the 13th all about the world of automotive we are sponsored there by the effective syndicate Uh, You can shoot us an email if you want more information on that event. Big partners of the Georgia Manufacturing Alliance. October 9th is the uh, Georgia Manufacturing Summit. We're going to be there broadcasting live as well. You can learn more at georgiamanufacturingalliance.com. And come see us in Austin, Texas. Uh, We're going to be with EFT at the 2019 Logistics CO Forum and beautiful and probably hot awesome although it's going to be november 7th through the 8th 2019 so hopefully by then it's cooled off just a smidge uh you can learn more about that event by shooting us a note scott s-c-o-t-t at supply we'll get you the details in fact on that note if you've heard anything today that you can't happen to find through google or org or or the internet you can shoot us a note scott at supply radio.com we'll get you in touch with uh, the right resources once again, big thanks to our guest today, Lloyd Knight, John Phillips. It's been a pleasure and an honor. I look forward to the next installment of the Vetland Voice uh, podcast series right here on Supply Channel Radio. Uh, to our listeners, be sure to check out other up- upcoming events, replays of our interviews, other resources at SupplyChainNowRadio.com. Find us again on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, all the other leading sites where podcasts can be found. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything on behalf of the entire Supply Chain Now Radio team. This is Scott Luton wishing you a wonderful and safe uh, safe July 4th Independence Day, uh, great week ahead, and we'll see you next time on Supply Chain Now Radio.